Our first reading today is from the book, or letter to, the Ephesians. There is a good message for all of us as a church in here. We are to live in unity and treat each other with love. From Ephesians chapter 4. I therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and in all and through all and in all. Message of Forgiveness. Two summers ago, when I was 12, on the day before we were leaving for vacation, my little brother Zach and I went over to our new neighbor's house. His name is Dan, and he was 10 years old, just like my brother. When we got there, he had set up a new croquet set, so we decided we would all try it, even though none of us have ever played it before. It started out great, and we were all having fun until the boys started getting a little crazy. Things quickly went from crazy to dangerous as Dan went up to hit his croquet ball. Instead of hitting it easy like you're supposed to, he took a full golf swing and landed his mallet smack dab in the center of my forehead. I knew it hit hard, but didn't realize how bad it was until I saw the blood gush down my face. My first instinct was to quickly run home and tell my mom what had happened, even though I was very scared and frightened. I ran across the street and into the door, front door, holding my hands on my head, screaming, Mom, Mom, Dan hit me with a crochet. I kept repeating crochet, crochet to my mom, and she got confused and didn't understand what was happening. She thought there was a crochet needle sticking out of my head, and that just added to all of the confusion. So after being rushed to the emergency room, I ended up with eight stitches in my forehead. The next day, Dan called our house and spoke to my dad and acted like nothing had happened yesterday. We soon figured out that he did not tell his parents the troubling incident, My dad asked to speak to his father, and he came over to discuss it. My dad talked to Dan's dad and quickly put him at ease and told him we are Christians and we weren't looking to seek any retribution, but we just wanted Dan to understand his poor judgment and his actions and his lying by omission. The next day, when we were on our vacation, is when I really started feeling anger towards Dan. Every picture that we took with me in it was a stupid Band-Aid on my forehead, Also, I wasn't allowed to get it wet, and we were in Niagara Falls, which is all about water. So we did end up having a great vacation with many fun memories with my aunt and uncle, even though I was still concerned with the stitches and scars they may leave. More importantly, I was concerned about the scar left on my heart towards my feelings of mistrust and anger I had towards my neighbor. I also felt very betrayed by the person who was closest to me, my brother. He would continue to go over there and play and have fun like and acted like nothing had ever happened. I continued to have mixed feelings about Dan because I never felt he was truly sorry about the incident. As the months passed, I obviously continued to see Dan in social situations. After all, he was my brother's best friend. As time went on, I really wanted to feel free of being angry at him and my brother's relationship with him by forgiving him. I kept going to church and learning how Jesus wanted us to live a Christian life just like he did for us. One of the basic truths of Christianity is forgiveness, which to me means the healing of a broken relationship. 
As I give this speech today, I am happy to communicate to you that this has truly been a Christian lesson that I learned at a very young age, which I believe will serve me well throughout my life by enriching all future relationships. The funny thing about all of this, though, is that after all of my mixed feelings towards Dan, I feel better about our friendship, and I find it easier to talk to him and engage him in social activities. I truly feel blessed having learned one of Chris's most important lessons, forgiveness, which has left an impression on me both literally eight stitches and figuratively a lighter heart. In the end, if we want to be forgiven for our trespasses, we must learn to forgive those who trespassed against us. Imagine the great stones that you have seen. Maybe you have been in a big, beautiful church made out of stone. Or maybe you have seen great storm, stone formations that God and nature have carved into beautiful places. God wants for all of us to be living stones, to be built into a church of all people. First Peter may have been a baptism sermon describing what it means to become part of the church. This makes it just right to read on Confirmation Sunday as we are becoming members of the church today. From First Peter chapter 2. Come to him a living stone, the rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, See, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, and pre- chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Rock. It's not a particularly inspiring word to most people. Who here wants to be a rock? Anybody? You get my point. God wants you to be a rock in a house he's building. This does not, however, mean that the Lord is going to strike you and turn you into a brick. He can build a temple of faith out of love, the love that comes from living, breathing people. He needs a little more than just strong people, though. He can't build a sturdy temple out of dry rocks. I learned about another essential ingredient a few years ago when I set out to build a clubhouse in my backyard. My dad had left some bricks under the back deck, and I decided to build them into a tower with four tall brick walls. I built the walls about two feet long, so I had very short walls by the time I was called inside. I went inside, confident that I would finish the fort the next day. That night, there was a thunderstorm with high winds, and the next morning, I found only a pile of bricks where my house had been. I was astonished that my strong brick house could be knocked down by wind. My dad later explained to me the importance of mortar in a brick building. (laughs) You see, bricks alone cannot make a clubhouse, and I had forgotten to use the mortar so the house did not stay standing. So you see, God needs more than servants to build his temple. He needs to hold it together with something, and that something can be supplied by each one of you. We need to join ourselves with others by showing them God's love. Only then can a temple be built. So love your neighbor as God wants you to do. We're using the scripture today for a couple of reasons. First, Jesus promises to always be with his followers. You will notice in the creed we wrote, 
which we will be reading today, the idea of God always with us comes up several times. It is a favorite idea in this confirmation class. Jesus also gives the instruction to baptize, which is what we are doing here today, confirming our baptism and becoming true disciples of Jesus Christ. From Matthew chapter 28. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am, always, I am with you always to the end of the age. The first day I came to this church, I got pudding. The reason for the pudding was to help us get into the story of people in hell having pudding in long spoons and not knowing how to feed themselves, while in heaven the people have pudding in long spoons and feed each other. We got to practice. I won't say whether Sunday school was heaven or hell, but I still like the pudding. (laughs) And I can't tell you that the pudding was the only reason I came back, but it helped. Actually, one Sunday, like most things we do at our house, my parents told me at random, we're going to church today. That's how most things happened. Like, we're going to go shopping today. But I had something planned. No, we're going to church. We told you you were. So we came to church. Besides the pudding, I also found out that I had friends here, people I knew from school. Pudding and friends definitely helps. That's how I got here. Once I was here, I learned that there was more to church than just friends and pudding. Like baptism. I didn't even know what baptism was until I was in the fifth grade. When we started to come here, my sister and I were baptized. So when somebody says to me, remember your baptism, I really do. It was only three years ago. And like, who God is, what God is like, God is always there. Several years ago, I took Taekwondo classes for a while at a school near Giant Eagle. Strangely enough, the black belt ceremony was here at this church before I had any connection to it. It was just a building for me then. I quit the classes for a while, then I came back, taking them with my sister Allison. We went to five or six classes, then we missed one or two. And the next time we showed up for class, the school was gone. The doors were locked, the lights were off, nobody was there. We looked through the windows, checked up above, and saw the name was still there, but it was gone. It was so weird. Nobody had called us. We had no warning. It was just gone. I've learned that would never happen with God. You might go away for a little while, but when you come back, God will be there, just like the scripture says. This church helped me to show me that in my classes and the Bible, but I also believe this in my own heart. I hope you believe it too. And if there was one thing that I wish everyone would understand about God, it is that you don't need proof. If there was proof, it wouldn't be believing. It would be knowing. You can see the sun is there. You can see it is round. You know. We don't know with God. We don't need to. We believe. And believing doesn't need proof.